1: Hobby of mine. Well, well, actually, it's a little more than just a hobby. Readers Digest is considering publishing two of my jokes. Really? Yeah.
2: From Hollywood, it's time now for
3: Money Dollar.
1: Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Quiet, numbskulls! I'm
3: broadcasting. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This time, it's part two of The Great Gildersleeve, starring Willard Waterman from 1952. Then, John Daner stars as London Times newspaper man J.B. Kendall... Who roamed our western territories of the late 1800s in search of stories to report on? Frontier gentlemen from 1958. With me, as always, is my co-host Lisa
4: Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hey, Carl. What's happening in Hollywood? Well, we've got Carol Spinney in the news. You know who that is? Carol Spinney. I know you know that name. Gosh, I do know that. I name. I know you do. We've Carol talked about Spinney. him before. Ah. So he's 84. Okay. And he is the puppeteer who played Big Bird on Sesame Street.
3: Oh, right. So
4: he's retiring after nearly 50 years on I the can show. play the
3: part. I'm tall enough.
4: Well, you are very tall. Um, Big Bird is over eight feet tall, so that should work out well yeah. for you, the costume. i right. so He joined at the start of the show. That was 1969 premiere, and he was also another character on the show. Do you know who? Oscar the Grouch? Yes.
3: Huh?
4: Wow, very good. What do you know? But what he said is in his older age, the physical requirements of the costumes made him imbalanced. And so for the last while, he's only been providing the voice and not actually in the puppet. So Matt Vogel will be taking his place. He also plays what character? Grover. So close. Mm. Kermit the Frog. Kermit the Frog. Yes. And he says, and I quote mm-hmm. Carol Spinney, yeah. even as I step down from my roles, I feel I will always be Big Bird and even Oscar once in a while. Yeah. So we would say. My him brother is
3: Oscar the Grouch.
4: Well, I he's thought.
3: He's the Grouch. I
4: was going to say you, but. No, okay.
3: he's way grouchier than me. Well, am. You
4: got a bit of grouchy in you.
3: All right. Well, thanks, okay. Lisa. Thanks, Carl. All right. Well, last time, we began listening to a very funny episode of The Great Gildersleeve, starring Willard Waterman. Let's go back to July 9th, 1952. This is called Fishing with Miss McKinley, part two, the conclusion of The Great Gildersleeve.
2: Now let's get back to The Great Gildersleeve. My
5: George, this is a free country. And it's a public lake. No reason why Leroy and I can't go fishing at Grass Lake on the same day Gloria and Bert Huggins are there. Just coincidence. Yeah, the cleverest coincidence I ever planned. Yeah, I'd better stop in the drugstore and get some corks.
6: Hello, Peavy. Yeah, hello, Mr. Gildersleeve. What can I do for you this evening? Peavy, I want some bobbing corks. How's
5: that? Corks, Peavy. The kind to tell you when the fish are
6: biting. I don't think I have any corks that smart, Mr.
7: Gildersleeve. <laughs> all my
6: corks know how to do is to hold things in bottles.
7: Uh,
5: all right, Petey. Just sell me half a dozen big corks to tie on fishing lines. So
6: oh, going fishing, are you, Mr. Gildersleeve?
5: Yes, Petey. Up to Grass Lake. Yeah, okay, well,
6: i get my corks out. That's a good idea. Are the fish biting? I don't know, Petey. Well, are they going to bite it? I don't know that either. You don't seem any more interested in fishing than a couple of other people who are going up there tomorrow. What's this, Peavy? Miss McKinley and Bert Huggins were just in discussing their plans over at Soda.
5: I'm not the least bit interested in their plans, Peavy. What did they say?
6: (laughs) Well, she said, I'll have a vanilla soda and. Peavy! That's not the information I'm after. What are his plans? Well, he planned to have a strawberry, I tell you. Oh, my goodness. And then she bought a bathing cap. Bathing cap? Seems if it's warm enough, she plans to try a new bathing suit. (laughs) Yeek. And then Bert bought some suntan lotion. I don't know why he needs suntan lotion with a hide as thick as his. (laughs) He he didn't buy it for himself. He said he might have to pat some on Miss McKinley.
7: Hmm?
6: You'd better watch it. You care to take a bottle of the lotion along, Mr. Gildersleeve? Peavy, I don't burn. (laughs) You look a little burned already. (laughs) What? Now, if the fishing isn't good, you can always row ashore and join the picnickers. It wouldn't hurt to have a bottle along in case Bert runs out.
5: Peavy, you know I wouldn't try to crash their party.
6: (laughs) Well, no, I wouldn't say that. (laughs) Well,
5: give me a bottle. Leroy might get a sunburned nose. What's the matter with me? I haven't been able to sleep all night. I wish this pillow was Bert Huggins. There. That'll hold him. Now maybe I can go to sleep. Oh, 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 oh. I wonder what they're going to do out there tomorrow. Mm, I wouldn't trust that Huggins around the corner. I didn't trust him. At all. Yeah. There they are. There they are, sitting on the beach. And his bulging biceps. Look at him. Covering her with sand. What a corny thing to do. I wonder what they're talking about. Your nose is getting pink, Gloria.
8: Oh? I'd better put some suntan lotion on it.
5: Now, oh, now, no. just let me do that. What? Uh, oh. uh, 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 don't let him, Gloria.
7: <laughs> now, hold still.
5: This won't hurt a bit. You mustn't let it burn. Such a cute little nose.
7: Oh, burn. Hey,
5: hey. He's not putting lotion on her nose. He's trying to kiss her.
7: <laughs>
5: Gloria, darling.
7: Yeah.
5: What a nerve. Trying to kiss her on a public beach. I ought to call the police. <clears throat> Oop, there's a the siren. Somebody beat me to it.
1: Uh, what's that? What's the matter? Fish,
5: fish. Who's there? I got it.
8: It's time to get up, Unc.
5: Leroy, who set my alarm for five o'clock?
8: I did. It's time to go fishing.
5: Fishing? At this hour?
8: Sure. You're mad, are you, Unc?
5: Well, no, my boy. At least he didn't get the kisser.
8: <laughs> Kiss who?
5: Never mind, Leroy.
8: What a
7: character. <laughs>
9: More bacon and eggs, Mr. Gilsley?
5: Just one more helping, Bertie. I haven't much of an appetite this early in the morning.
9: No,
8: sir. <laughs> I'll take anything he leaves, Bertie. All right, Leroy. He's just like his uncle. <laughs> <laughs> ah, i get <did>
7: it!
5: <laughs> yeah, I'll get it, Bertie. I wonder who's going around ringing doorbells at this hour.
9: Good morning, Gilder. <laughs> Judge,
5: what are you doing up so early?
9: I always get up early. That's why I'm so sound of wind and limb. <laughs> no
5: goat up before the roosters.
9: Now, Gilday, I happened to see a light in your house, so I came over.
5: Judge, you can't see my lights from your house ten blocks away.
9: Well, Peavy did tell me you and Leroy were going fishing this morning. Yeah, I knew it. And being an avid fisherman... I happen to know all the best spots for fishing.
5: Well, you don't happen to know what I'm fishing for.
9: Well, whether it's bass or bluegill, I know the spots to go. And now, course, Judge? I am not inviting myself.
5: Oh, no.
9: I'm just out for a walk. But I doubt if you'd ever find the right spots if I wasn't there to point them out.
5: Judge, you can't go fishing in that cape you're wearing.
9: Oh, the cape is removable, Gill. They see?
5: Over Hip boots, fishing jacket, landing net.
9: And I just happened to bring my fishing rod. Yo. I was using it this morning for a walking stick. <laughs>
5: yes, yes. Bertie, coddle an egg for the judge.
8: Gosh, I thought we'd never get on the lake.
5: Yeah, you know, Leroy. Yeah. <clears throat> Heavy rowing.
9: That's because you brought so much equipment along. Why the binoculars, Gildy? Well... What's the matter? Are the fits you catch so small you need binoculars to see them? <laughs> all right,
5: Judge. With all that wind, wouldn't you like to row for a while?
9: Thank you, Gildy. But I'm the navigator. It's up to me to direct you to a good fishing spot. Yeah,
5: look at the old goat standing up in the boat. He thinks he's Washington crossing the Delaware. <laughs> Sit down, Judge.
9: Gildy! You made me sit on the lunch.
8: (laughs) Oh, for corn's sake. Now we're going to have pressed ham sandwiches.
5: (laughs) (laughs) All right, Leroy. Toss out the anchor.
8: Here, where all the people are.
5: Toss it out, Leroy.
9: Gilday, surely you don't expect to catch fish right off the picnic ground?
5: Why not? I wonder where Gloria and Bert are.
9: Gilday, why are you scanning the shore? Uh,
5: No reason, Judge. Let's bait up and start fishing.
9: Well, I'm just a guest. But if I had my way, we'd be fishing across the lake by those rocks.
8: Yeah, over by the big stumps. There's a lot of bass over there.
5: Now, Leroy, I know what I'm doing. Yeah, I think I'll try catching
9: it. Low bridge. You're wasting your time, Gildy. You'll never catch a fish here.
5: Well, it won't hurt to try.
9: Hey, there's something on your line, huh? Oh,
5: darn it. Say, there's somebody over there under a tree. Wonder No, No, is a blonde.
9: Gildy, what are you staring at? Reeling in. Uncle, your fish is going out into deep water.
5: Oh, yes.
9: Now, now you've got him coming.
5: Darn fish. Won't even let me see who's on shore.
9: Oh, boy, the granddaddy of them all. That's the biggest bass yet, Gildy. That makes six for you, two for Leroy, and one for me.
5: What a dull morning. Why do the fish have to pick on me? hook, You can take my rod, too, Leroy. I think I'll relax and look through my binoculars a while.
8: Gosh, imagine giving up a hot fishing pole to look through binoculars.
5: I don't see him anyplace. I wonder if he's buried her in the sand. It hadn't been for these darn fish. I'd have located them long ago.
9: Gilday, if you're looking for Miss McKinley and Bert Huggins, why not look behind you? What? Here they come in a boat.
5: Say, it is, Gloria.
9: Well, imagine meeting her out here.
8: Yeah, and Mr. Huggins.
9: Yes, yes.
8: Hello there.
9: Hello, Miss McKinley and Mr. Huggins. Gloria, what are
5: you two doing out in a boat?
7: We've been fishing.
5: Gloria, you've been fishing? You too, Huggins?
0: Uh, yeah, fishing.
5: What's uh, the matter with Bert?
8: I'm afraid he doesn't feel very well.
5: Seasick? Oh, too bad. Oh. Let's get to shore, Gloria.
8: Oh. Well, alright. We didn't get a stripe, Throckmorton. You didn't? Gosh, look at our string. Oh, they're beautiful. Did you catch all those, Leroy? Heck no.
9: The water commissioner caught most of them.
8: Throckmorton, you did?
5: Oh, only six of the nine.
9: Oh, Gloria, let's go to shore. The
0: the boat's rocking.
5: Oh, Oh, brother, he looks like a pale blue-point
8: oyster. (laughs) Yes, we'd better
9: go. Miss McKinley, you seem to enjoy fishing. Oh,
8: I do. Well,
9: why don't you step into the boat with Gildy and Leroy and I'll go ashore with Mr. Hagen. Why, Judge?
8: Yeah, I'm getting hungry, and I don't want to eat those sat-on sandwiches.
9: You come with me, Leroy, and I'll buy you all the hot dogs you can eat.
8: Hey, King!
9: Have fun, Gilday. What a
5: fine old man.
8: <laughs> well... You don't mind, Bert? Oh, no, I'd be happy to have someone row the boat. All I want to do is get on shore. Hurry, Leroy. Okay. (laughs) Careful, Leroy.
5: Let me take your hand, Gloria. (laughs) Upsy-daisy.
8: Thank you, Doc Morton. Oh, this is going to be exciting.
5: You bet.
8: You take one or Leroy, and I'll take the other. Okay. So on. Goodbye. Goodbye, Bert. I just want to get
5: <laughs> He doesn't feel like talking.
8: <laughs> now then, Throckmorton, I'm completely in your hands.
5: You are.
8: How do I go about catching fish? Oh. Just drop my line over here?
5: Well, I think this spot is fished out. Let's pull up anchor and drift over behind those willows.
8: Whatever you say.
5: With my luck today, it wouldn't surprise me if I had a bass on the anchor.
7: <laughs> yeah, there.
5: Now we'll just let our lines drag behind the boat as we drift along.
8: Oh, we're going to troll.
5: Yeah. We'll just set the rods in the bottom of the boat. Lean back. Relax. Ah, oh, this
7: is nice.
5: You bet. Gloria. Imagine we're in a canoe floating on some tropical lagoon ah
7: oh.
5: come with me where moonbeams light Tahitian skies. sky and the starlit waters linger in your eyes
8: ah oh, i've never heard you sing so well talking I wonder if it's the water.
5: No. It's the inspiration. Oh. Yeah, I think I'll sit a little closer, balance the boat.
7: Oh.
5: If I play my cards right, I may get that kiss that Bert missed. Gloria? Yes, Trockmorton? Morton?
8: Gloria. Oh. All those
7: confounded
8: fish. We better get ready for dinner, Trot Morton. Oh,
5: yeah, what's the hurry? I'd rather sit here in the couch with you.
8: But Judge Hooker's worked so hard in the kitchen.
5: Well, he's having fun. First time in years, he's cooked on more than one burner.
8: <laughs> Wait, where's Bert?
5: He's folded up in the porch swing. Just prove it, Gloria. When you're going out in the water, you need a water commissioner.
8: Rock (laughs) Morton.
5: Come to the table,
8: fisher ready.
2: I'll never catch another fish as long as I live. (laughs) The great gildersleeve is played by Willard Waterman. The show is written by John Elliott and Andy White and is partially transcribed. Included in the cast are Walter Tetley, Lillian Randolph, Earl Ross, Dick LeGrand, Gloria Blondell, and George Neitz. Musical compositions by Jack Meekin. This is John Heaston saying goodnight for the Kraft Foods Company, makers of the famous line of Kraft quality food products. Be sure to listen in next Wednesday and every Wednesday throughout the summer for the further adventures of the Great Gildersleeve.
0: Tonight... Hear the best of Groucho on NBC.
3: And that's The Great Gildersleeve from July 9th, 1952, starring Willard Waterman. And that was sponsored by Kraft, as heard on NBC. Let's take a break. When we come back, it's a good Western adventure on Frontier. Gentlemen, stick around. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Do you love classic radio shows? Now you can receive 10 classic radio shows on 5 CDs every month by joining the Classic Radio Club. Hi, I'm Carl Amari. I've started the Classic Radio Club so fans can receive the best of the best from my library each and every month. Join now and receive your first 10 classic radio shows on 5 CDs, a $39.95 value for only $4.99. Then every month I'll hand select 10 more of the greatest classic radio shows and mail them to you on 5 CDs. Every show will be superior sound quality and you'll never receive a duplicate show. Log on to classicradioclub.com to join and receive your first 10 classic radio shows on 5 CDs for only 4.99. That's classicradioclub.com or call toll free 888-642-6556. That's 888-642-6556. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Welcome back. I'm Carl Amari. This is Hollywood 360. Across about 200 radio stations, coast to coast. If you want to hear a podcast of this show, you could just go to our website, Hollywood360radio.com. There's also thousands of pictures of Lisa there. uh, As it should be. Yeah, and other fun stuff at our website. But, you know... Our radio stations, and we love every single one of them, not all of them do air our full four-hour program every week. Some air two hours, some air one hour, some air three hours. Most do carry the full four hours, but if uh, your radio station does not carry the full four hours, you can hear us each and every week via podcast at Hollywood360radio.com. Now, there is one stipulation. We are one week behind the regular broadcast. We do that for our radio station's sake. We want to give them the biggest, best, and brightest Hollywood 360 show. But one week behind, you can get the podcast at Hollywood360radio.com. All right, it's time now for Frontier Gentlemen. This was a Western adventure that starred John Daner as J.B. Kendall, reporter for the London Times newspaper. And uh, these stories followed the adventures of an English journalist as he roamed the turbulent times of the Western United States of the late 1800s in search of newspaper stories. And uh, John Daner was terrific in this role. Let's go back to September 28, 1958. This is called The Gold Digger. Here's part one of Frontier Gentlemen. In the
10: black hills of Dakota Territory, I met a lovesick miner and got bitten by the gold bug. Frontier Gentlemen,
2: here with an Englishman's account of life and death in the West. As a reporter for the London Times, he writes his colorful and unusual stories. But as a man with a gun, he lives and becomes a part of the violent years in the new territories. Now, starring John Daner, this is the story of J.B. Kendall, Frontier Gentleman.
10: The town of Deadwood is built between a canyon wall and a river. As with so many other products of a gold rush, it has attracted the best and the worst of humanity. The enticements being many and varied, from opium dens to gambling halls and saloons. Morning and night, the long main street fairly roars. The sound carries many a mile into the black hills. To be heard by some half-starved, grizzled prospector down on his luck. I had gone into the
3: same hills in order to write my impressions of gold mining in this area. That's the first portion of Frontier Gentlemen. More after these words. Now back to the
0: best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Now back to
3: Frontier Gentlemen.
10: It was the evening of my second day when I wandered into the camp of two men. Their diggings were in a hillside a few yards from their fire. Evening, mister. Good evening. Any luck? Uh, no. Uh,
1: had your grub?
10: Not yet, I...
1: Well, shake yourself. <laughs> ain't no fancy fixings. Got us some dough meat and spider to have, that'll do you.
10: It's well, very kind of you, but
0: I don't want Heck to... Heck, ain't no trouble. Rest your saddle, mister. <laughs> Thank you. This here, Gut Robber, he's Frank Twist. So I'm Charlie Longball. J.B. Kendall. Huh, that's smart to
1: know
10: do? you. Uh, may I contribute to the meal? Sure. Oh,
1: uh, ain't got any sweetening, have you?
10: Yes. Jam,
1: sugar. Jam! Oh,
0: jam, that'll go just fine on them splattered abs. See, we run out of sugar three weeks back, and the belly wash this old woman makes. I've been putting raisins in it to get some taste out of
10: it. I <laughs> uh, no. uh, Here.
1: Oh, now that's mighty friendly, mister. Sure you can spare it. Oh, yes. Say,
10: where have you been prospecting, J.B.? i tell you the truth, I haven't. I'm a writer. just moving around, looking for something to write about.
0: That's so. You hear that, Frank? Yeah. Ain't that something?
10: You ain't looking for gold at all? If I found some, I wouldn't mind in the least. No, I'm not particularly searching for it. I admire that. I surely do. What about you fellows?
1: Ain't running more than ten dollars a ton right now. We figured to uh, give it a couple of more days
0: and then move on. Of course, ten ain't bad, but there's fellas cleaning up better than fifty a ton hereabouts. Don't, uh, don't pay to waste time on hungry ore. Mm. You both miners? Well, Frank is. Real old gristle heel. Ain't that right, Frank? I allows it so. Me? <laughs> I was a cowpuncher driving cows up to Cheyenne from Fort Worth. Heard about the gold, come on over. Yeah, I see, that was uh, a couple years back. Met up with Frank, we got to be partners, ain't that so, Frank?
1: Yeah. And mister, you ain't never seen such a greener in all your born days. First time he went to panning, I like to die. Oh. <laughs> and the young fool finds himself a piece of pie right as big as your fist, and mm. thinks it's real gold. Gold, though, well, he darn near drowned himself. You know, I pumped a gallon of water out of him. <laughs>
0: That's <laughs> fact.
1: Oh, he learned better than after that, I tell you. Oh,
0: I did. Sure as your foot.
1: Eh. <laughs> Hey, uh, how long since you was down to Deadwood, mister?
10: Two days ago. Two
1: days. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, you uh, ever go to the Green Front down there?
10: The Green Front? Yeah. No. Mm, I don't think so, <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> Frankie's got a girl at the Green Front. Him and a hundred other, the boys. Now
1: you hobble that lippy on Charlie.
0: When I say I've
1: got a girl, that's what I say. Mary's the sweetest little long haired partner a man could ever hope to have. And don't you forget it. Now you're getting my back up, Charlie Longball. Ain't <laughs> meaningful, Frank. Ain't nothing funny about me and Mary. I am to get hitched up with her one of these days soon as I make a strike. All right, Frank. Ain't nobody saying
0: otherwise. Yeah?
1: Well, it better be. Well, I'm gonna fix some water in the creek. You watch that meat, Charlie, so she won't burn.
0: Sure, Frank, sure. <laughs> Yeah, I, I should ought to know better by now. I gather that Mary is rather a touchy subject. J.B., hmm. if you never seen a man with a love colic, you have now. <laughs> At Frank, I swear when he gets into Deadwood, he's courting that gal like she was the finest lady in the whole territory. Buying her candies, all kind of fripperies, I swear. It ain't, I got nothing against a gal. She ain't no worse than most. But I sure do hate to see a man old enough to be her father, which, if you ask me, she never even knew. I sure do hate to see it. Uh, hate to see him? Yeah, him making cow eyes and playing the fool over that painted cat. Why, she don't give no more and spit for him. It ires me good, I tell you. Oh, well, it's hard to tell a man in love that he is making a fool of himself. Now, that's a mouthful of truth, J.B. You know all she wants out of old Charlie. You know it's his money. If he ever gets any, she'll turn him high inside, too, before she's through with him. He won't have a tail feather left. How old is he? Frank? Ooh, 60, maybe. He never said. That's the trouble. Old Wrinklehorn thinks he's still a yearling. Doesn't he know that she doesn't care about him? Sure, he don't see nothing. She gives him one of them big-eyed skid
10: grief smiles, he's a goner. Well, I'm afraid there's not much you can do about it... You take my advice, Charlie, Charlie, you'll just- Charlie! What? Charlie! What? What's the matter? Charlie! Here you boy! Take a look!
1: <laughs> take a look! Take a look at this oil up there, my balls are yawning, look!
0: Holy suffering bush! <laughs>
1: you ever see anything like that? Huh? Where'd you
0: find it, Frank? What?
1: Boy, oh, it's pure, it's like i never seen in my whole days. Pure gold, Charlie boy, it's pure gold! Frank, yo, old... <laughs> Frank, you old hooter, slow down for you, bust a gut. Where'd you find it? I'll show you. Down the side of the creek. I'll show you. Come on, it's worth millions, Charlie boy. Millions!
10: In the gathering twilight, we stumbled, raced down the slope toward the creek. Then a few yards from the bottom of the hill, Frank Twist stopped, put a shaking hand on an outcropping of rock, and we saw a newly hacked scar.
1: You ain't gonna believe neither one. You ain't gonna, Frank. Frank, we've struck it. Look at there, Mr. J.B. Kendall, you brung us luck. Big luck. <laughs> Do you know what happened, Do you know? Oh, I was mad at you, real mad, Charlie boy. I was passing by this here ledge, and I give the bucket a good swing to help get rid of my froth. The bucket got caught on a crack and pulled loose, a piece of rock come out. But there weren't no rock, Charlie, it was gold. That piece of gold. It was
0: fabulous. I'd never have believed it if I hadn't seen it. Boys,
1: <laughs> we got to celebrate, that's what.
0: Let's get on back Wait, oh, wait, wait, wait a minute, Frank. I want to hack me off another piece. Well, go ahead. You two,
10: Kendall, go on. Uh, now, now, wait. One moment. There's one thing, though. Is this yours? I mean, is it part of your claim? Well, sure it is. Ain't it, Frank? Hey,
1: well, well,
0: I reckon it is. You reckon? Well, we pasted it off, Frank, up the diggings. Don't it come down this far? I don't rightly remember, Charlie, but, uh, you see, now, 200 yards south, 300 north, that's... On
1: Paxada, Jacksby, here. 44 East, 44 West.
0: Frank, we panned downstream. We never made no claim here.
1: Well, we got to do it right now, right away, Charlie, quick.
0: Yeah, sure, Frank.
1: Kendall, you give us a hand. We'll cut you in for a share.
10: Oh, I'd be very happy as to. As soon as we
1: get it staked out, me and Kendall go back to Deadwood and register. Now, you stay here to keep an eye out, Charlie. Yeah, like you say,
0: Frank, but, but suppose somebody else has already staked it.
10: We searched for some mark of ownership a cairn of rocks, an old tin can. But in the darkness, we could find nothing. The three of us staked out the area and then started for Deadwood, leaving Charlie, seated at the campfire, a look of grim determination on his face, a shotgun across his knee. It was well past midnight when we arrived in Deadwood to register the claim, but the office was closed and wouldn't open until six in the morning. Sure do hate
1: to let that claim sit like that with only the young fella up there.
10: There's no use worrying about it, Frank. You can't do anything until morning anyway.
1: Well, you're right, JB. You're darn right. I'll tell you what, this you will be celebrating. Drinks are on me. Bella Unions just down the way. <laughs> All right. Oh, it's gonna be a long night, but worth it, because in the morning, we're
7: gonna be millionaires. <laughs> <laughs>
10: The Bella Union was probably the most disreputable, lowest end of iniquity in all of Deadwood. Its whiskey was foul, and the beer, served, I have heard best described by cowpunchers when speaking of shallow pools of water in which cattle have been standing, green, stagnant. The whiskey being the lesser of the evils, I nursed mine along, which is more than I can say for frank twist. Give me another shot of that fine red disturbance.
1: Maybe.
10: He had consumed three quarters of a bottle and seemed none the worse for it. At about three o'clock, my companion turned a somewhat reddened eye on me, put his arm on my shoulder, and said,
7: <laughs> "You mean,
1: a the lucky shot, gun. You're drunk.
10: I'm sorry. What do you need? What you need is a drink. I have one. Thank you. What I need is a drink. Uh, in your hand, Frank. Mary. What? Mary. Let's go see sweet Mary down to the green front. Well, now, don't you think perhaps we'd better wait until the office opens? Remember? And you claim? Oh, you got to meet Mary. She and me. Me and she. We're
1: going to do some rotten logging. Yeah. <laughs> Twist gal in Deadwood. Marry her in the morning. Come
10: on. <laughs> we made our way down the street to the Green Front. The saloon was a good deal quieter than the Bella Union, but for an entirely different reason. Several ladies of assorted ages and varying degrees of decay were present, and with them seated drinking at tables, their consorts. Frank Twist dragged me across the room. <laughs> There
7: she
8: is. Mary! Mary! <laughs> oh, come on, Mary. You're a sick kid, Boy, Mary. you wicked man. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. <Mister, Mister>, you <laughs> take your slimy
10: hands off on that sweet pure uh, girl. Come on, Frank. You don't want hey. to... Do...
1: you talking to me,
10: you raunchy old son of a gun? You heard? Mary, hold my drink. Sure, honey. Uh, now, now, uh, forgive the intrusion, but my friend is rather drunk. He doesn't mean-
1: What do you mean I don't mean? <laughs> oh. Hey. Oh.
10: Frank Frank Frank
8: Mister, you got a mighty powerful whoop in that fist. You got a feeling you busted Porky Culligan's nose. He sure got a pretty color blood, ain't he? Frank. gave his head a hit on the table when Porky hit him. Wake up. He ain't gonna wake up for a while. You sit down and have a drink with me, stranger.
1: No, uh, 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 no, no, no. We don't want no trouble in here, mister.
8: Oh, there ain't no trouble, Horace. You go and take care of the customs. Bring the gentleman here a fresh glass. He wants to buy me a drink. Don't you, honey?
10: Well, I hadn't <laughs> ordered it.
7: Gee
8: you
10: like Now, if, if you don't mind, that belongs to my friend, Mr. Twiss. Holy... Is that what I think it is?
1: Gold? Holy... Where? In the hills. Sure in the hills, but where? Amazing. Oh. Richest I seen since Darby Methwig's
7: strike.
8: Mister, you and him. You and him, partner. Yes. Oh. Oh, well, Horace, get the gentleman some champagne. You don't want to drink none of that snake poison of yours. Sure. Hey, you back. Sit down, Mr. Honey. Sit down. Let that dear old man lay. I me, mean, we'll take care of him when he wakes up. Now, I want you to tell me all about yourself. Where'd you say you found the gold?
10: Miss uh, Mary, I never did learn her surname, draped herself around me like an anaconda. Every now and again she patted my pocket to assure herself, I have no doubt, that the gold nugget was still there. There was nothing subtle about her. She came to the point with a minimum of preliminaries, and was, I think, quite surprised when I declined.
8: You married or something? No. Well, don't you want a wife?
10: Don't you want a flock of kids? Uh, At the moment, the furthest thing from my mind. You like me? I find you devastating.
8: You don't like me.
10: You shatter me.
8: Mr. Twist likes me. He loves me, he told me. Yes, I know. He'd marry me. I suppose he would. I always thought he was a funny old nose painter. Imagine him wanting to marry me.
10: It is hard to imagine.
8: Yeah, ain't it? Mm-hmm. May and December. Of course, the old goat's got a lot of life left in him. But I think you're much nicer.
10: It's kind of you.
8: You don't like me. Uh, have some more champagne.
10: Right, thank you.
8: How much you figure that strike of yours is worth?
10: Well, according to Frank... Millions.
8: Would you like for me to sit in your lap?
10: No, thank you.
8: What's the matter? Don't you like women?
10: On the contrary, I'm very fond of them.
8: Oh, just me then, huh? I ain't your kind.
10: Mary, why do you want to marry me?
8: You've got a gold mine, ain't you?
10: Yes. Well? Simple as that?
8: You've got a better reason? I'd take care of you, woman thinks. You know, like your socks and all. Yeah, I guess maybe because I've been working in a place like this, I ain't the wife you'd be wanting. that it?
10: If I were in love with you, Mary, it wouldn't matter where you worked.
8: Yeah, I'd like to find a man like you. Settle down. wouldn't even have to have a million dollars. Just just enough, you know.
10: No, I think so. Oh, your erstwhile friend is coming, too. Huh? The gentleman with the wounded nose.
8: Porky, you better get out of here for... What's your name, sweetheart? Kendall. For my fiancée, Mr. Kendall, let some more air out of you.
1: Oh, oh. how how come you didn't tell me you had a fiancée?
8: I don't have to tell a hill rat like you nothing.
1: He ain't going to talk like that if my claim turns out, Rich.
8: Rich? Culligan, you couldn't find enough pay dirt in your whole life to beat what Mr. Kendall's got right there in his pocket.
1: Oh. Say, <clears throat> you, you hit it, Pard? I think so. Well, now, I ain't a man to hold no grudge, Pard. Just you put her there. Well, <laughs>
10: As I reached out my hand, Porky Culligan hit me a beauty, and that was that. But a half an hour later, I woke up, my head pillowed in Mary's lap, an anxious Frank Twist leaning over me, and behind him, the rodent-like features of Stoat, the green front proprietor.
1: Kendra, you all right? Kendra. Oh.
8: oh sweetheart, I thought you was dead. Oh.
1: Mary. So did I. What call you got calling him sweetheart?
8: I can call him anything I want.
1: Uh, Colligan got your gold, mister. Took off out of here like he had a burr under his saddle. With the gold? Yeah.
8: Stole a nugget right out of your pocket. I tried to stop him. Well, no
1: matter none, Kendall. There's plenty more where that comes from. Oh, well... Uh,
8: Maybe yeah. you better lie down for a while, honey, till uh-huh. you feel all right. You want to come to my room? No, he
1: don't want to come to your room. I'll take care of him. Come on, J.B. You better be getting along. We got business. Uh, what about the champagne? You ain't paid for that yet. Oh, uh, oh, oh yes, A yes. hundred dollars. What are you, a road agent? That's the price. Pay up.
10: Oh. Uh, Here. Yeah.
8: Ain't I gonna see you again, Kendall?
10: It's doubtful, Mary. Yeah.
8: How about you, Frank? You coming back when you're done with your business?
1: Well, I ain't so sure no more, Mary. Maybe you ain't exactly the kind of woman I'd want to be raising my kids. How come? I thought you were sweet on me. I was. But you're a fickle female woman. And I aim to do some better with my millions. Come on, let's go, Kendall.
10: We left the forlorn miss of the Green Front and walked down the street to the land office. Frank Twist was remarkably sober. We had an hour to wait until six, and then the office opened. The agent took our claim and began to go through his files.
1: You know, I'm mighty glad, mighty glad I found out about that woman, for it was too late, J.B. Oh? Yes, sir. I got you to thank for that. Why, sure. Only thing she was interested in was my money.
10: Yes, I rather gathered that impression myself.
1: A yowling and a screeching. Mm-hmm. Figured for a while you was dead. Right there with you ain't yet cold.
10: She's asking me to marry her, and then you wake up and she starts calling you sweetheart. Well, we're both to be congratulated, Frank. I'm still alive. You're still single. Yeah. Gee, sure is taking that fella some time
1: to check that claim. Yeah, boys. Oh, everything, everything fine, huh?
0: Uh, Sure, but not for you it ain't. Not for us. Unless you made a real big mistake when you staked it out, that claim's already spoke for.
7: It ain't. It it, it
0: can't be. I'm sorry. It sure enough is. Uh, Let's see. The name of Culligan. Porky Culligan. He's legal owner. Uh, What's the matter? You boys find some gold up there?
10: I went back with Frank Twist to his camp. Then, with Charlie Longball, we walked down to the creek and looked at the outcropping of gold. Two days later, Culligan found it. And the day after that, he married Mary of the Green Front. Frontier
2: Gentleman was written, produced, and directed by Anthony Ellis and stars John Daner as J.B. Kendall. Featured in the cast were Joseph Kearns, Harry Bartell, Virginia Gregg, Jack Moyles, and Jack Crucian. Join us again next week for another report from The Frontier Gentlemen. Bud Sewell speaking.
3: And that's Frontier Gentlemen from September 28, 1958, with The Gold Digger, starring John Daner, as heard on CBS. Let's take a break, then it's more of Hollywood 360. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Hey, fans of Classic Radio, Carl Amari here. I've created a free app just for you. Get 10 Classic Radio Shows free in the Classic Radio Shows app. Plus, there are many more shows available for in-app purchase. You can get your free Classic Radio Shows app in the Google Play Store or the Apple Store. The easiest way to get your free app is to log on to Hollywood360radio.com and scroll down to the Classic Radio Shows app banner and click either the Google link or the Apple link. Don't miss out. Get your free Classic Radio Shows app today. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Next time, Jack Webb stars as Pat Novak for Hire from 1949. Then Eve Arden stars as our Miss Brooks from 1949 as well. That's next time here on Hollywood 360. We'll see you then.